Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Dop Differently. Jeremy Kalmanowski with you today, learning Kitchabot, page 61. We have a long page that covers a number of different items, and a mission on the second page is going to introduce us to tomorrow's material, so I'll hold that off for tomorrow, even though it's probably the most interesting part of the page, and talk instead about uh, three things related to a dispute uh, in a couple of cases between a husband and a wife, and one case between employers and employees that are interesting in their own right. I'm on the A side of the page, 61A, about uh, six lines down, seven lines down. We hear a report from Rav Huna about, this is interesting, both for the content of what is discussed and also a little detail about his own education. It says here, Amar Rav Huna, Badak lan Rav Huna bar Rav Huna says, when I was a student, uh, my teacher, whose name was also Rav Huna, he was Rav Huna bar used to test us with the following question. So we learn, we learn one interesting thing about that, that report about um, what happened when I was a student. And here's the test that he used to give. He omeret lahanik, the wife wishes to nurse the child herself. Vehu omer shelolahanik, but the husband wishes instead that his wife not nurse the child, but instead he pays a wet nurse. Shomin la, we listen to her. She gets to rule in that dispute. Sa'ara didahu. It's, it's painful to her, a woman who's lactating, who doesn't have an opportunity to actually nurse the child. That will be painful, and the husband can't, for whatever his reasons, prefer to pay a wet nurse and force her. So that will, in that case, the woman gets to rule. lahanik? How about the case where the man wishes to have the woman herself do the nursing and not pay a wet nurse? omer lahanik? And she says, I don't want to do that. I uh, did it last time. This time, let's pay a wet nurse. Mahu, what's the rule? If it is her own family's custom to pay a wet nurse instead, uh, then she doesn't have to do it. She says, this is, this is the way we do it, and, um, and I'm not nursing myself. You pay the wet nurse, and we listen to her. She gets the rule. But what about he or ha? In her family, they do uh, nurse the children themselves. But in his family, they pay a wet nurse. My Who's, who gets to rule in this case? Does the woman get to say, listen, I married, married a rich man who pays a wet nurse. Uh, forget the fact that my mother and sisters did this. I don't want to. Does she get to rule? Or does he get to say, listen, I married a woman whose family nurses the children themselves, and I was planning on saving on the wet nurse bills. Who gets to rule? We, re- we learn that the woman has the, uh, the, distinct, the, 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 the structural advantage here, and she is always assumed to rise in economic stature when she marries into a family with all the benefits that accrue. And he uh, cannot cannot uh, f- force her into a lower economic status than she than uh, comes with her marriage. On the back side of the page, we have another interesting uh, uh, case between a husband and wife dispute. We learn that the woman is osabatzemer. She is supposed to spin wool. And the Gemara, about a third of the way down on the page, the last few of the narrow lines near the top of the page, it says osabatzemer, but semer in bapishti law. 
the husband can demand that his wife spin wool, but he cannot demand that she work with flax. Matsmita Mani, who is the author of our Mishnah? Rabbi Yehuda, who? It is, it is a, even though no name is given in the Mishnah, we assume that Rabbi Yehuda is the teacher. Titania, for it is taught. A husband cannot compel the wife to stand before, that is to say, to wait upon his father or his own ch- children, not her children. And not put straw before his animals. He can force her to give straw to the cattle whatever the difference between behemah and bakar is. We'll leave that aside. So what sort of animal she, she need not feed, but another she is expected to feed. She cannot be compelled to work in flax. Because whatever it is, it destroys the mouth and it uh, chaps the lip. So it's so unpleasant to work in flax. So she cannot be forced to uh, to do those particularly unpleasant duties. Now, speaking of unpleasant duties, let's return to the A side of the page for what I think is a really interesting, the, the details of it are a little less interesting, but the idea, uh, the law behind the laws, the, the idea that animates the discussion near the bottom of 61A, I think is actually very interesting. It comes into the page uh, not because we're on the topic, but because... Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Hananya is quoted in a number of cases in a row, and this is a teaching of his. He states here, uh, Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Hananya Amar Rav Huna, he says in the name of Rav Huna, Hakol mashin bifne hashamash chutz mi basar v'yayin. I mean, the, the wide lines, the second of the wide lines down at the bottom of 61, Aleph. Uh, he says, you can restrain uh, uh, the servant from tasting any sort of food except the really fancy food, the meat and the wine. We go on, we uh, specify a little bit more. Rav, Rav Chizda says, well, that means excellent meat, basar shaman, very fatty meat, v'yayin yashan, and, and aged wine. The idea here is that if you are in a position, you see food, you smell food, you are standing right by when somebody's having a feast and you are working, it is physically dangerous for a person not to get to partake of some of that delicious food, the, 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 the craving just overtakes somebody, and it's injurious to their health. So if you were a waiter at a fancy meal, and dash after dash of this delicious and luxurious food were passing by, and you had to do all the work but never got to taste the food, that would be injurious to your health. The, the basic principle here is, if, uh, if somebody is at the feast and being restrained from enjoying the feast, it's going to make them sick. So there's a really interesting uh, ethical drive uh, here when you think about uh, very affluent societies and poor people in those affluent societies. Now, this is not exactly a rule. I will get to the halakhic rule in a moment, but I think this is a very suggestive idea of what it would mean for a person who's, you know, coming to the dance but not getting to participate, coming to the great feast of this most amazing affluent American culture or, or Israeli culture. Both of these societies have enormous gaps between rich and poor. There's something cruel and, in fact, injurious to the health of people if they don't get to uh, come to the dance as well, if they don't get to participate in some way. I think there's a, an implicit ethical uh, uh, 
imperative to share the wealth and to share the delights at this particular banquet. Our page at the bottom instantiates that with a number of uh, a number of anecdotes where this or that rabbi was in the presence of that or this sage who did in fact share share the banquet. The rule, as brought down in the Shulchan Aruch, is that the waiters be permitted to taste uh, any particularly tasty food um, at at a banquet. They don't have to be fed a full meal, but they'd be permitted to taste any of the food. And it's midat chasidut, uh, it is uh, an appropriate measure of piety to give them a full meal from that, from that banquet. Rashi, in fact, says that they should be fed lasova, they should be fed uh, uh, to satiation. So Rashi would seem to imply that they should get a full meal. There are two sort of miracle anecdotes at the bottom of the page. Well, there's actually a third miracle anecdote, but I'm not going to mention that one right now. Down at the bottom of the page, it is said that um, that Avuha Barihi Uminyamin Barihi, these two brothers, Chad Safe Mikomina Umina, Vehad Safe Mechadmina, these two brothers would give one of them would permit the waiters at his banquet to taste every food, and one would permit the waiters at his banquet to taste one food. Mar And Elijah the prophet would only speak to one of those two guys, the one who was more generous. There were two saints. The next version says these were their names and they were the children of Rav Chizda. It's not that they were Hasidim, but that they were from Chizda's family. Mar makdim safe umar me'achar safe. One would feed the waiters before the meal, and one would feed the waiters after the meal. Dekadme safe Eliyahu mishtai bahadeh. The one who fed the waiters before the banquet, Elijah the prophet would visit him and speak to him. The me'achar safe lo mishtai Eliyahu bahadeh. And the one who would feed the waiters after everyone else had eaten, Eliyahu did not come and speak to them. It's the Talmud's way of saying this may not be the rule, but but good things come to those who have exceptional generous generosity. Thanks for learning today with me. See you tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.